Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester again with another Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I want to thank all of you for all your support. We've had some amazing traction over the last several episodes, and today's going to be no different. We have an amazing guest. His name's Brent Stephenson. Am I saying that right? Oh, yeah. Got it. Okay. Very cool. Well, as a young child, uh, he was always drawn to flipping through the air, climbing around. Um, he has an athletic foundation that was laid at the age of four as a gymnast. So you're a gymnast. Yeah, or was a gymnast. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, definitely one of the, the best foundations you can have, I think, for a lot of different sports. Really? Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that. Um, over the years, you competed in snowboarding, diving, trampolining. Um, you have an extensive background in, in, in saying this, par- parkour? Parkour. Parkour. Yeah. yeah. Explain that real quick. What is that? So a lot of people think like parkour is when they see people jumping and flipping off roofs, stuff like that. Right. Parkour is basically just efficient body movement. So right. just moving through an environment as fish as efficiently as you can. Okay, cool. So. I, we're, we'll get more into that. Um, it sounds like in 2007, you were led to Los Angeles and at that at that time, you got the chance to be on the American Ninja Warrior season two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you made history on season four when you became the first American to conquer the ultimate cha- uh, cliffhanger, which I want to get into as well. Cool. Very cool stuff. Um, anyway, you live a really an amazing life. Um, the, this, the research I've done on you has been fantastic. When I, I sit there and go, wow, this guy's amazing. And well, so I want to get into that amazing story. So, But let's first start <clears> off, Brent. Uh, you know, talk about you grew up here in Utah and a little bit about your family. Give us a little background on that. Yeah, so uh, born right here in Utah. Uh, my family's been here for generations, uh, but my dad joined the, the Air Force right after I was born. So we took off, uh, went to Texas for like six months for training and then Cali for six months and then ended up in, in Spokane, Washington for about eight years. Okay. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I loved Washington. Uh, the military life was a very different experience. Uh, and then yeah. my dad decided to retire from the uh, Air Force and become a Delta Airlines pilot. So we got to move right back here and All right come on. back to Salt Lake. So we mentioned earlier, just a minute ago, that you uh, started doing gymnastics when you were four years old. That's really young. So ex- talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> my parents just, you know, I was climbing around and jumping off stuff. And they were like, we got to get this kid in a padded environment. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they enrolled me in this little gymnastics class. And uh, the the coach really just saw a lot of potential and, and pushed me to uh, get into the competitive gymnastics. And I'm just super grateful that my parents made that move. So Yeah, so even at that age, being so young, you loved you loved that you were in gymnastics. Like you look learning to tumble and flip. and. Oh, yeah. You know, it's funny because <laughs> – 1984 were the Summer Games Olympics. I saw Peter Vidmar doing the, the rings in the high bar, and I was like, Mom, I want to do that. Really? And so that was really my first big inspiration was Peter Vidmar, who actually competed on the American Ninja Warrior show a few years back. So I got to meet him, which was really incredible. Right um, and that's kind of what started this whole thing in motion. Did you beat him? Uh, you know, it's not about <laughs> me beating Peter Vidmar. No. I'm just kidding. He did really well. I mean, yeah, yeah he did good. Sure. So, yeah. <laughs> So um, talk about growing up. Like, what was your life like growing up? I mean, I know you moved around a lot, it sounds like, but give us a little more detail around what it was like to grow up in your family and maybe some things that you had experienced. Yeah, so, I mean, I lucked out. I had two loving parents. You know, I had an older brother, younger sister, younger brother. Um, and the military life, like like you said, you're moving around a lot. It was kind of cool. You got to 
meet a lot of people and learn how to make friends very quickly. So I, I appreciate that about moving around. Um, yeah, we had a good life. You know, the military really takes care of you. So we didn't really have any major struggles. We, we lucked out. I had a really good family upbringing. Um, so, yeah. How was it for you uh, as as an individual? I mean, did you did you ever struggle in school? Did you ever... I mean, you seem like you're a very energetic guy. Right. Did you have a hard time maybe sitting still or... Absolutely. <laughs> I've always been just, you know, looking for physical challenges. Um, school was definitely tough. My favorite part about school was just meeting friends. Mm, um, okay. Uh, but, you know, I knew I had to get the work done. It was really hard for me to focus on the, the homework. So I was struggling a little bit. I did well, um, but it was just hard for me to get that homework in. And right. so the grades suffered. Um, but to me, you know, I just... I just loved gymnastics and that was really my focus. So I didn't really care about school. So did you end up competing at all as a gymnast? Did you, you know, I mean, how far did you take that? Yeah. So I, I competed, let's, I don't know how many years I competed, but I did gymnastics for about 10 years. Um, was doing really well. I was actually a state champion here in Utah. Um, when I decided to quit, um, it seems, yeah, I did it for about 10 years Okay. and it was in that period of junior high, you know, and, and it was a really uh, tough schedule because I would go to school, come home, go to gymnastics, come home, try to focus on yeah. homework, you know, and yeah. then go to bed, do it all again. So it was tough. My friends were out playing, you know, you start to really get into girls at that time. So yeah. I decided to to step back and, and uh, focus on my social life for a bit. Okay. Yeah. But right through on. that, you know, I got into snowboarding, which the, the gymnastics background really helped out with. Um, and that was my next focus was snowboarding. Really? Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about that then. Snowboarding, um, you know, when you tried it out, you probably just fell in love with it. Is that how that happened? or? Well, not so, uh, <laughs> not exactly. I mean, I, I was drawn to it from the minute I saw, <coughs> excuse me, saw it. Um, but if you've ever tried snowboarding, day one and day two are not so fun. So. Dude, I, I tried snowboarding once. This is a true story. I could not get down the hill once. Yeah. I was stuck on the same hill the entire day. I kept falling on my tailbone. Mm -hmm. I almost broke my wrist twice because oh, yeah. you put your arm back to catch your fall. Exactly. And I thought, I'll just stick with skiing. <laughs> and so I stuck with skiing. <laughs> right. Plus, you're trying to figure out which le which foot needs to be in front, left or right. Yeah. It's it's a lot to, to handle. So I did actually. <laughs> I went snowboarding once, switched to skiing, and then decided to give it another try. It really helps to have somebody with some good sure. direction to kind of fast track you to success on that right. one so now did your did your other brothers and sisters were they in gymnastics as well did they kind of have the same you know characteristics as you or uh my older brother was drawn to dance ever since he saw michael jackson he was just hooked really? he was that kid you know practicing all the moves in front of the tv over <laughs> and over um so he was very physically active he, he became a, a modern dancer later in life um and now uh teaches uh modern dance but oh, uh cool my little brother and sister, not so physically inclined as we were. Um, so, yeah, it was me and my older brother kind of pushing each other a little bit. Pushing, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you end up uh, with snowboarding? Did you compete in that at all, or was it just more for fun? Uh, I briefly competed. Um, it was kind of in the days where the competition circuits were kind of just starting to get figured out. Okay. So I did like a, a one or two Utah Winter Games, um, and okay. then... You know, really wanted to be professional snowboarders, really what I wanted to do. Really? But I just had no clue how to plug into that type of thing. I was always waiting for somebody to come, be, say, like, on the mountain, like, hey, 
you know, I want, I want to sponsor you. Let's yeah. get you in some competitions. But unfortunately you got to be really proactive and, in, in marketing yourself. You can't just wait for opportunity to come for you. And I, I didn't know how that worked. So, right. Yeah. And how, how old are you at this time? Is this like high school age, college uh, age? Um, I started snowboarding at 12 and then I okay. really started just after I graduated high school, just got a job at, up at the resort and just lived and breathed it really since then so yeah right on yeah well so at this point is this when you get to the point where you move to los angeles um or, no so i didn't move to la till about 2007 so after okay. uh snowboarding i also added some diving and trampoline in the mix like i said anything that got me flipping around and <laughs> and one thing kind of helps with the other so it kind of just evolved that way and then i saw this nike commercial where this guy did a wall flip and i was like i need to be doing that this was before it even really had a term, I guess. Right. Um, Were you doing any of that before you saw the commercial, though? Were you flipping off walls and no. jumping off Oh, definitely flipping off things and jumping around. I mean, all of us kind of yeah. do a little yeah. parkour growing up. But me and a buddy of mine, Richard King, uh, just really decided to start training that. So we would go to these local gymnastic gyms, set up blocks, and just, you know, just try to figure it out on our own. So, And later on in life, or a few years later, actually, he moved to L.A. He's also the one that got me into stunts. Okay. So he moved to LA to pr pursue stunts full time, ended up starting up one of the world's biggest uh, free running uh, teams and, and companies in the world right now. So Tempest Free Running. So I um, wanted to kind of follow his his uh, path. So I moved to LA to start doing stunts full time, started training with those guys a bunch. And then uh, through that, I had met somebody that had been on the Japanese show that this all came from. Oh, really? Yeah, one of the original Americans that had been on the show. He was really into parkour. And I was like, how did you get on that show? And he said, well, they're starting an American version, so just show up to the tryout. And unfortunately, the first season I had a trampoline show scheduled during the tryout. I was just killing myself. But the next year, I made sure to okay. keep my spring open. So let's talk up. about the trampolining a little bit, too. So you started doing that as well, and you were doing shows, it sounds like. Explain that. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's funny. Funny story. I was hitchhiking my way up the canyon to go snowboarding, and I, this woman picked me up, and I was telling her about my background, diving, gymnastics, all this stuff, and she's like, "You know, I know a guy that does trampoline shows. You should go knock on his door uh, and see if he needs anybody." So, I was like, "Where does he live?" And went and knocked on the door, and I didn't have a whole lot of trampoline uh, training at that time. Like uh -huh. I could do single big tricks and stuff. Right. I was always doing trampolines growing up, but I didn't have any formal training. Right. But I guess he saw some potential in me and. And um, just met a bunch of awesome trampolinists through him. And I just was a sponge and just was like, give me stuff to do, drills to do, you know. And so I learned a lot just through that process. Dang, that is, yeah. that's it's interesting how, you know, how this all kind of unfolded evolves, in your right? evolves in your life. Like it's it reminds me of like when we're when we put energy out in a certain direction, things start to kind of fall into place. And it sounds like that's what was kind of starting to happen for you even. Right, right, right. Without me even knowing it, I was just following my passions, you yeah. know, and kind yeah. of one thing leads to another. Yeah, know? and I love that. Follow your passions, and things will start to kind of unfold. So, so you, so you reach out, and you, what do you do? Do you apply to be on the American Ninja? Well, he just took me in the backyard and was like, "All right, show me what you got." So I, he had this <laughs> amazing setup. Had like five Olympic style trampolines in his backyard with an airbag and all these walls and stuff, and I was just a kid in a candy store. Oh, I bet. So I started going crazy, and he, <laughs> like I said, just luckily saw some potential and brought me on. Really? Yeah. So um, and what? So he brought you on as, as the trampoline guy? Or yes. is this for the American Ninja Warrior? 
No, no, no. This was for trampoline shows. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so you'd perform in front of audiences and things like that? Yeah, we'd travel around doing random gigs uh-huh. from corporate events to fairs to halftime shows, just anything. It was a blast. Dude, yeah. yeah. Did you ever do like it for the jazz game or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But that because I've been at a jazz game where we've seen the guys out there on the trampoline at halftime. Yeah. And, so that was you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I used to be a dunker for the uh, Utah Jazz. So that was a lot really? of fun, too. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Really cool. So you're, I mean, doing stuff that you love to do and, you know, actually, were you making a career out of it at this point? Was this kind of what you did for a living? Um, I was, I mean, somewhat, you know, I realized at the age of 19, there used to be this restaurant around here called the Mayan and there were cliff divers there. So that was my first gig where I was like, you can do what you love as a living and get paid for it. And it totally blew my mind to opening up a whole new world. And so that kind of, just like I said, snowballed into more different performances. And then uh, my buddy Richard King had booked two mm. stunt jobs on the same day. And luckily he needed me to cover one. That was kind of my break into the break into stunt it. world, which I always wanted to be a stunt man. And so, yeah, I was just following my passions and taking an opportunity. And one thing led to another. And yeah. Wow. So you talk about being a stunt man. Give us some information on that. Yeah. Um, stunts <laughs> is, uh, you know, a lot of people think when you're a stuntman, you're just doing all these crazy, in- insane stunts. And, and you know, sometimes you are. Some, yeah. Absolutely. Um, sometimes you're just kind of like taking a little trip, you know, for an actor that didn't want to do the little trip or something. But uh, it's an interesting industry. Um, I love that you show up. And you don't really know what you're going to be doing. You're doing something different on each project. Right. You know, you're around all these amazing people creating these awesome films. Yeah. And uh, you get to see a lot of the behind the scenes. And uh, I've just been loving it. I kind of took a break from that to pursue the ninja stuff. Okay. But I I definitely want to plug back into the film scene here in Utah and get back on it. That is cool. Now, you know, I call this a belief cast because I'm always fascinated by people's beliefs good or bad on, on, you know, and because our belief will dictate the way we behave. Doing what you're doing, doing these flips and jumping off houses and landing on a, on a retaining wall and doing a backflip off a tree. And you have to really believe in what you're doing. You have to believe you can do it. Describe that process for you because, you know, for me, I don't do any of that. And to me, I'm thinking, wow, I don't, that would be scary. I wouldn't want to break my neck. So talk about the belief you have to have and how you cultivated that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely have have learned a lot through this this process. I mean, um, it's all about baby steps. And like you said, if you don't believe it and you can't see yourself doing it, you're not going to do it. And, and let's just take a trampoline trick, for example. Uh, it's kind of a metaphor for not just doing your flips, but things in life. Like if you can't, A, don't think you can do it, you're probably not going to when you get on that trampoline because your mind's not focused on doing it. Exactly. And if you can't visualize each little step, you know, then you probably aren't going to have much success either. Right. So really your best best chance for success when learning a new trick is, A, your willingness to try and believe that you can do it eventually, your willingness to fail and be okay with that and learn from your mistakes. Okay. And then also that. break it down step by step and visualize it so you can figure out which step is not going well and, and fix those steps. And uh, so I've kind of taken that into my life in other ways. And Sure. Yeah. 
Well, I love that because I know, you know, part of, uh, you know, I've, I've studied uh, Olympic athletes for a long time because I just love their mindset and their mentality. And they all talk about this visualizing piece. Give us a little more detail on what you go through to visualize the stunt or a flip or whatever. Go through that process with us so our listeners can understand the power of visualizing. Right. I mean, no, you've got to make it as as real in your head as possible. So you got to really put yourself in that situation. So say if I was doing a course on the ninja course, I will sit there and like, I'll try to disappear from everybody and just visualize each obstacle, me completing each obstacle, you know, even each step within that obstacle. You, you really even start to think about literally your, your footwork on these things. You're really? trying to so be that detailed. Yeah. Every little detail. And you got to be able to see yourself slamming that buzzer you know, finishing that course. Yeah. So, so let, let's say, so let's say you're going to perform in a month from now, um, on the American Ninja Warrior. What, how much time and effort would you spend visualizing over this next month, that event in your mind? Cause I'm fascinated by this stuff. It, this stuff, I love this stuff. It's what I teach my clients even. Yeah. Who are not American Ninja Warriors, but Describe that. Like, how much time and effort do you put into that? Well, you know, the funny thing about the the ninja course is that it's going to be different every time. You don't know what's going to oh, be okay. there until you're, until you're there. there. Okay, yeah. that's true. But let's just say competing uh, a trampoline routine. Okay. Like, I mean, obviously, you're going to spend hours a day physically training that. But, uh, you know, I would fall asleep just doing those routines in my head for hours. And I'd find myself kind of clenching up, you know, kind of being yeah. tense and they'd have to be like, all right, dude, relax. Come on. Yeah. Relax. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. So when you want something that bad, your mind just obsesses over it. Sure. And so that, that can be a good thing. So, uh, no, I mean, visualization is just so important. And I, I've heard that when your mind is visualizing uh, something, it's actually creating neural pathways yeah. to your muscles. So you can actually uh, visualize something for long periods of time. And if they were to take two people or whatever and one person didn't visualize and they kind of had the same athletic ability, the person that visualized it has almost already done it physically yeah. even almost, you know. No, you're exactly right. I mean, that's what Olympi that's why Olympians use that technique is because it creates the neural pathways. Right. And what they have found in, you, um, is that the brain does not know the difference between a real event or if you imagine it. Right. Especially in vivid detail. They call it synthetic experiencing. Google so, that one. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. really what you're doing, Brent, is right. you're you're visualizing in such a way that you are creating neural pathways or in other words, a belief system. There you go. So when you're actually at the you're getting ready to do whatever it is, the trampoline event or a snowboarding or gymnastics or anything, you've already done it in your mind so many times that your body almost just reacts naturally to what you're going to go do absolutely and that's that's huge that you just said that because when i am on the course i'll, I'll see the course and like i said i'll step aside and visualize it over and over and over mm -hmm. but when i'm on the course i try not to think right i've done all my thinking yeah it's all just do. Just, just go do yeah 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 you know it's funny when i watch that american ninja warrior um and many of you listeners you you could probably attest to this you know that it's usually that first start where they have to one, they got to jump on those little platforms. Oh yeah, the quad just to get steps over the water. Or, the quad, what do they yeah. call them? Uh, they're a form of the quad steps or uh, the, yeah. the ascending steps. Yeah, and so many get tripped up over that. 
Oh, I mean, yeah. I I feel for them because you know they've trained this so hard and they and they trip on that. But it's almost like maybe they're overthinking it. 100%. Versus you see people that go, boop, boop, they whip right through it, and you and you know, like you just said, they're not really thinking about it; they're just doing it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why you've been so successful as well, is because you're really good at that. Is that well, fair? Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a huge thing. That starting block is one of the hardest parts about the whole course. <laughs> yeah. I've seen people that are like some of the best athletes in the world just crumble mentally yeah. at yeah. that moment. And then, like you said, when you see the people flying. Those are usually people having fun. They're like in the fun zone. They're excited. They aren't worried about falling. They're like, all right, bring it. What's next? Let's do this. You know? Yeah. 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 I love it. Well, let's talk about how that came about. Like how you, you were on season two. Is that correct? Was your first season? Yes. Yeah. So season two of American Ninja Warrior. Talk about how that came about and then how you did that season. Okay. Um, So like I said, I missed the first season, made sure to show up for that second season. Um. And did, when you say show up, what does that mean? You go for tryouts? Well, yeah, or? you have to submit a video because okay. it is a TV show, so they actually cast. Gotcha. It, it's gotten even, uh, it's evolved quite a bit over the years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I submitted, you know, make sure I was available for the tryout, um, showed up, and um, our Tempest crew, our Tempest free running crew, mm-hmm. did very well at this just because parkour is very uh, similar to obstacles. So we just really stood out. We did well. Uh, we made it to the the next level, the the boot camp where they take the top fifteen from those tryouts. Oh, okay. To the boot camp, and then you break into teams, do all these individual uh, elimination challenges. But so luckily, I got to to shine at boot camp. I think the moment that kind of put me on the map was they were doing this challenge where you had to do a flag. Uh, that's for the listeners that don't know. It's where you have to. There's a wall, and you got to take your body, and you got to take your whole body your with your core strength, you know, and put your body, flag it out horizontally. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So luckily yeah. with my gymnastics experience, yeah. I'd done that many times. You're like, I can do this. Right. And so everybody <laughs> was struggling um, and like literally five seconds or whatever, just because they'd never done it. And so yeah. I get up there and I just pop right up and they're like, whoa. So that was kind of okay. where everybody started to kind of focus on me a little bit. Gotcha. It's kind of where I stood out. So was boot camp before you're actually on TV? Was this before the actual? Uh, no, so it's funny because the formats changed a little bit. Okay. So they used to do the the Venice Beach tryout where you you see all the qualifying yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So they have a city qu- final or a city qualifier and a final. Then they would take the top fifteen to a boot camp and eliminate it down to ten, and they would take those ten okay. to compete on the original Japanese course. Gotcha. So okay, yeah. So you so you participate in season two. How did you end up doing? I mean, how did it go? I was the, uh, well, the second furthest American that season. So I made it to the okay. cliffhanger. Okay. Uh, and so for years, we were trying to get people through this cliffhanger obstacle. So my first season, I made it there. I'd never done a cliffhanger. Explain what a cliffhanger is for us So it's don't this, know. <laughs> yeah. So it's, all right. Yeah. Well, it's this obstacle called the ultimate cliffhanger. It's a little fingertip ledge you traverse along. Um, there's different patterns and stuff, but nobody really traverses on their fingertips, especially the parkour guys. Yeah, really? So rock climbers definitely have an edge in that uh, yeah, department. Yeah, that's what they do, yeah. Yeah, but okay. so I failed on that, and then I was so determined to, to beat that thing, you know, that I, uh, with the Tempest uh, free running team, they, they built these facilities, and I was like, hey, can we put a cliffhanger in here? So they were cool enough to build me a full-size cliffhanger. Really? And just having access <laughs> to that thing and training that thing, it just became nothing, you know? Right. And, you know, obstacles are such a metaphor for life. There are these challenges that, you know, you just can't get past. Yeah. And if you can kind of 
focus on on what you need to do to get that done and just yeah. live and breathe it, all of a sudden it becomes nothing. Yeah, it's like um, the challenge, the obstacle doesn't change at all. It's you just got better at doing it. There you go. And now you're like, this is easy. Right. But at first you're like, I, this is almost impossible if, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so so you, did you compete in season <clears throat> three or did you skip season three? Yep. So season three, uh, made it to the boot camp, made it to finals again in Japan. Uh, unfortunately, went out on stage two, so I didn't get to reattempt uh, the cliffhanger. Oh, okay. Uh, but nobody had passed it again. And then uh, funny season. So that, like this all stemmed from this Japanese show. And then season four, NBC picked up the show, or was going to, and then uh, the Japanese production company went bankrupt temporarily. And so NBC was like, what are we going to do? And so they decided, well, well, I guess we're going to build our own course here in Las Vegas. And so they did. Next year, uh, NBC, or the Japanese production company came back, and the Japanese show's running strong again. But that's kind of how we got our own course here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I wondered that. Yeah. Okay. And then season four, um, I was so determined to beat this ultimate cliffhanger. You know, luckily I made it to finals again. Okay. Um, I had, you know, being in Las Vegas, me being from Utah with a giant family. Yeah. I had 80 <laughs> people, you know, come support me and represent with these. And they Dang. made these uh, yellow shirts with this hang loose sign on it. Uh-huh. And uh, it could have been because of them. I don't know what it was, but I was the only competitor to make it past stage two and move on to stage three. So I got my shot again at the ultimate cliffhanger and uh, I knew that I was prepared when I got there. I was yeah. like, this is, I got this all day. Luckily, you know, crushed it, made history, awesome moment. And then I was like, wait, it's not over yet. You got the rest of the course to go. So I made it two more obstacles and then went down on this uh, hang climb, like a rock climbing wall. Oh, okay. So I was so close, but there's always that next yeah. obstacle, you know? Yeah. But you made history. That was like, that had to have felt pretty good. It felt amazing. Yeah. yeah, and it was just so intense with my family there cheering. It, it really, I'll never forget it. So how is this, you know, and I think we already kind of know the answer, but I want to hear a little more from you. All this training you've done, a lot of it, like you said, is it's more mental versus the physical. I mean, obviously you're in good shape. I mean, if you guys could see him, he looks amazing. I'll have his picture up later. <laughs> but um, <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> yeah, sorry. Pick, pick a good picture you. when I had a six pack I, or yeah, something. Really, you know? uh, like, yeah, really. Um, yeah. But how the mental, how this has trained you for life, like you said, it's just like a metaphor for life. D explain that. Like, give us some background on that for you. How has this helped you in life? Well, I mean, just, you know, learning how to overcome these little progressive, progressive challenges in all these different sports has just built my confidence, like, mm -hmm. insanely, that, I, you know, if I believe that I can do something, I know I can do it. I might not get it my first try or my hundredth try, but I'm okay trying and failing. This this has taught me that failing is no problem. I, right. I can do that. That's okay. Doesn't mean anything about myself. You're just gonna learn. And that's gonna make you better. So I guess having that attitude, okay, has just helped that. me kind of conquer things outside of the athletic realm as well. Yeah, and I like that too. And it's almost like it really isn't a failure unless you gave up at that point. There you go. Exactly. So you learn from it, move on, and do better the next time. And yeah. now because of that so it's really we could maybe is it okay if we don't call it a failure even almost you know we should probably re uh, I don't define know. that term right because failure to me is we made a mistake and i i use that and it 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 stops my progression from that point right it's more of a definite thing definite done yeah whereas 
with you and what you're saying, and I love what you're saying. I, it just it gives me chills because you're like, yeah, no, you know, I learn from these things and yeah. I move on and I get better and better and better. So exactly. you can look back on it and go, well, not really a failure, maybe just a setback or or a teaching setback moment or, or teaching whatever. Moment. I like teaching. Teaching moment. moment. Maybe that's And better. I say bring those teaching moments as fast <laughs> as possible. So, yeah. So that I can learn as fast as possible. Yeah, you know? very cool. Yeah. Um, so are you still doing the American Ninja Warrior? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so what season are they on now? Are well, they? we're on season, just finished season 10, 10. about to start 11. <laughs> so I never thought it would turn into this mainstream uh, yeah. thing that it has. Well, it's I told incredible. you, my whole family watches it and we love it. Um, do you, is this like, so is each season like, is it once a year kind of thing? Yes. So season. Um, yeah. So the, the uh, original season is once a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like I said, evolved. Now they have five or six city qualifiers and finals that culminate to the finals in Vegas. Uh, but then they've also started to do awesome challenges like the team Ninja Warrior challenge, or they call it Ninja versus Ninja, I guess, where oh, gotcha. you're actually, there's two lanes on the course and you're racing somebody else through the course, which brings a whole different dynamic. Oh to the yeah. Whole I've thing. seen that. That's, it's fun. that's, that is intense. Yeah. Wow. So they, uh, unfortunately that, show didn't get picked up this year okay so hopefully we redo that next year but so it's turned into like there's a few different uh ninja challenges throughout the year so it's not just a one one and done thing anymore it's like that was the worst part about it was like having to wait a full year before you get to play on this course again and and redeem yourself but luckily throughout the year we get a, a few different tries so gotcha yeah well, you know, another thing I want to kind of shift gears just a little bit you're known for training your former girlfriend Casey yes Am Casey Catanzaro Okay, oh, yeah. so talk about that. That was quite the experience because she made history as well. Absolutely. Like in a amazing, huge in a huge way. Yeah. So just tell our listeners, what, 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 what was that like and what history did she make? Right, well, uh, so after season four, um, me and Casey actually found each other online. I was in LA, she was in New Jersey at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just was like, how do, how do you train for this stuff? You know, I want to get into it. How do you do it? So I was like, oh, you're going to be a shoe-in. Because she was a, a, a gymnastics or a gymnast her whole life. Right. And okay. she had breaking, like, broken records in college. And just talking to her on the phone and just listening to how determined she was and then looking at her videos and seeing how talented she was as well, I knew she was going to do big things in the sport. Right. Even though she was five foot nothing and one of the <laughs> tiniest competitors. Right. So, I mean, having that talent was really easy for me just to say, oh, yeah, just do this, do this. I mean, easy to coach. But for years, there'd been no woman to get through uh, a qualifier course to get up the warp wall and hit that buzzer. So her first season, season six, she really did really well. She got caught up on this one obstacle where there's a bunch of chains. She was hanging for like a minute and a half and then got off and was pumped by the time she got on the next obstacle right before the wall. So unfortunately, she didn't do it that year, but no other female did. The next year, she came back and just crushed that first course right. slammed that buzzer almost jumped herself off the wall <laughs> and it rocked the world uh-huh. but it was even more incredible the second night so the city qualifier you go you have about six obstacles to the warp wall mm-hmm. city finals you do those same obstacles and then after the warp wall there's maybe five or six more and uh it was just so intense that night um the second night because the, the pressure was was on and everybody was waiting to see if she could oh, repeat yeah. Yeah. You know, so each obstacle, you know, <laughs> there'd be this huge eruption yeah. and then dead silence while she's on it. But anyway, so she not only completed the first half of the course, but then completed the second half and is still to this day the only female to ever complete a city finals course. That's amazing. And that thing just took it 
to a worldwide phenomenon. And she blew up and the show blew up and it was just incredible. Yeah, I actually remember seeing that on TV. It was it was incredible. It was. Yeah. yeah. So is that part of what you do too? Do you help train other people, you know, do the Ninja Warrior? Absolutely. Events? Yeah. I mean, and I love I love seeing people just with that hunger just overcome these obstacles and you get to see them just yeah. change as a person even. Yeah. Um so we actually me and Casey helped start a company in Texas called Alpha Warrior um where we actually were lucky enough to start working with the military. Really? And uh, start implementing That's this type cool. of training into the military. And um, we set up a whole competition circuit with them. And it was really awesome. So we were training them for a while. And now that I've moved back to Utah, kind of my mission is to uh, hopefully start up my own facility so that I can start just breeding ninjas. So, But until then, there's really a lot of cool facilities here in town. And so I kind of do some workshops here and there with yeah. those guys as do well. Do you do like kind of one-on-one training or is it more like group training or, or both? Uh, Both. Both. Yeah, I prefer okay. personally one-on-one just because you get a lot more done. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I'm open to big group stuff. I love big groups having fun too. The energy's, you know, through the roof. And Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's, uh, let's, I want to ask you this question. Like what is a, what does a day in a life look like for you? Like what do you do in a day? Like describe what you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're not obviously performing or or doing an event, mm-hmm. what does your day look like? So my day, I'll wake <laughs> up and I'll have some coffee, hydrate for about an hour, get some stuff done around the house, catch up on some emails, and then I'll jump right into the workout. Um, I, so I do a, about an hour or so of strength training workout, maybe four to six days a week. Right. Um, I got to get that done first thing in the morning because the longer I wait, the chances of me getting it done go down you know, cause life takes over. Um, so I did my workout and then after that I'll eat and then, uh, probably do some more emails, try to, you know, book some, some workshops or whatever. Uh, and then I'll jump either on the bike, uh, mountain biking or I'll go rock climbing. Um, so yeah, usually I try, I try to train twice a day. Um, and the thing about obstacles is like, it's such a, there's such a diverse, um, array of, of skills required for this thing mm-hmm. that you can almost attribute any type of training to making you better on the course. So, I mean, I love the mountain biking cause you need that cardio, that endurance, right. um, the rock climbing obviously for the grip. Um, and then I ended up doing a lot of tramp shows as well, a lot of core aerial awareness stuff. <laughs> so usually I train twice a day and then at, after I'm done with my second, I'll have some dinner, relax, try to hook up with some friends. Right on. So Sounds very cool. Um, sounds like a fun life, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm lucky. Yeah, you, know? you are lucky. Do you ever, and this might sound like a silly question, but do you ever like when you're at a park, do you, you know, you're walking with someone, do you just like take off and flip off a tree without, you know, and everyone's like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. No, I've definitely gone through that phase where just like you're looking at everything and you just can't what can stay I flip off. off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I am 38. <laughs> So you start Are to you realize really? you look yeah. way younger than that, dude. Oh, well, thank Seriously. you. Thank you. I'm trying to pump those brakes, you know? Yeah. I, honestly, I would, I would put you in the 25 to 28 range. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know I mean? I attribute that to my, my workout and my nutrition. Workout, nutrition. Yeah. That pays off. Doesn't it? happy. And yeah. Very cool, man. So. Very cool. So if, if someone wanted to get into what you're doing, you know, and obviously you've already spelled out a few things that would be important mm-hmm. to rock climb and do trampoline and gymnasts. Absolutely. But if someone's maybe looking at getting on the American Ninja Warrior, can you give them some advice and, and how they would do that? Absolutely. I mean, um, so let's just start with the submission video process. That's one of the hardest 
hurdles right. to even getting on the course. So yeah, with 80,000 competitors, sure. like you better make your video awesome. So unfortunately, it's not all about physical attributes uh, to get on the show. But once you're on the show, it's up to you to perform. Right. So I always tell people, you know, find that story that sets you apart from everybody else. Really focus on your personality. But as far as physical training and how to train for the show, you know, start doing body weight uh, circuit training. So strength training, try, try to find a, a nice body weight circuit training program. Right. Or now that there's ninja gyms around or parkour gyms, plug into that and you'll just meet so many people and you'll push each other. Um, you'll just be surprised how quickly you'll learn on your own um, with other people helping you out. But then also try to find those workshops. There are a ton of ninjas now, a ton of ninjas <laughs> out there. So see what they're doing. Learn, learn from it. some of the best, you know. That's very cool. I love it. Um, so I asked you, you know, before we off air, before we started, like if, if you had a challenge for our listeners and I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a challenge or two for our listeners that they could, uh, take into their life that would maybe help benefit them. Absolutely. You know, I think we're so plugged into our phones and everything these days that we are kind of neglecting our physical bodies or a lot of us are out of touch with it. We don't even know right. what's going on. So I would just throw out that challenge. Start, start, let's just. I mean, with nutrition even, start, um, just don't eat when you're not hungry. You know, don't just eat because yeah. it's time to eat. You know, yeah. listen to your body. Get in tune with your body. Um, try to figure out wh how certain foods make you feel after you eat them and try to weed the ones that make you don't feel good out. Um, and then aside from nutrition, just get out and move at least 20 minutes a day. Just move with your body. You know, go go on a hike or a bike ride or find a, a workout program. But just get physical. You'll be surprised what that does for your yeah. your mental game as well, you know? Oh, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, great advice for all of us, right? I mean, I think you're right. A lot of us, you know, the, especially the younger generations with their phones. Um, I saw this study a while ago that a lot of kid, kids growing up don't know how to throw a baseball. Wow. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, because they don't do that anymore. They're yeah. not out. I mean, when we were kids, we were throwing the ball around a lot. So I love yeah. what you're saying. Is like, let's get out and move. Listen to your body. Pay attention to it. You know, mm -hmm. it's telling you what it needs. And if it's not hungry, don't eat. Right. Makes sense, right? Yeah, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's good advice for me. I need to I'm be better that way as well. Yeah. Um, if, if people wanted to reach out to you and get to know you better or if they have a question for you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, you can find me online. You know, it's uh, just Brent Stephenson is the handle for all my socials. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, so give me a direct message on Instagram. Okay. Um, or you can check me out at the website and email me from there, just brentstephenson.com. Um, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. So. Okay, very yeah. cool. Well, check that out, uh, listeners, and reach out to him if you have any questions or if you want to get, if you want to do what he does because he lives an amazing life. He's flipping around everything, <laughs> <laughs> energetic and positive. I love it. Um, what's next for you? Like what's, what's on the docket? Like, what are you, what are the future plans? Well, so like I was saying, my mission is what I would really love to do and why one of the reasons I came back here to Utah is to, I would like to start my own facility. So not just Ninja Warrior, but I've done a lot of different things throughout my past and I just want to create an awesome facility for people that, that want to train in similar ways that I do to have access to that so that they can accomplish those goals. I love that. So that's one of my major uh, focuses right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you um, do you do ever do any like speaking events or do you ever do guest speaking because of what you've been through and done? And yeah, I've done a little bit. I'd like to do a lot more. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I've been lucky enough to be able to 
to uh, get in front of some audiences and share my story. And Yeah, I'd love to have you actually come talk to my clients. Oh. Um, I think your story is awesome, and well, I, I think they dig it. And it would be something different that my clients are used to hearing. You know, I'm in the kind of the addiction recovery world, but to hear have someone coming in just in a little different way, it would be really, really powerful. So right. I, I mean, might, yeah, I, I mean, I may, they uh, hopefully they get something out of it that. that can help them out too, you know, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Let me know. Well, hey, I want to thank you for taking the time to being on this uh, belief cast. This and is awesome. No, I've heard, I've heard, uh, I've had a few friends on here actually. And it, oh, have you? I was really stoked to hear what, what you're up to and, yeah. and just, this is a cool conversation to have, you know, about people's belief systems and how they, yeah. like you said, because it controls how we form our reality. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and that's why I loved having you on is because if you're you have a really powerful belief system, you believe in what you're doing, you're energetic, positive about it, and you're making a difference and it sounds like you want to take it to another level. Absolutely. And best of luck in that and I hope I wish you the best on there and Well, thank you. You'll yeah. have to uh, also come play on some obstacles sometime. Oh yeah, I, yeah. You'd laugh at me, but uh, I. <laughs> We'd be laughing together. It's okay. You'd laugh at me as well. It's part of the I fun. I don't know. You know. I don't know. I uh, I'm not very limber. <laughs> well, I'm not very limber either. <laughs> you, well, you'd be surprised though. You'd have a lot of fun. No, I would love to yeah, take you up on that, and uh, but I would love to have you back as well. So please, I'd love. Yeah, it. we'll do this. So Absolutely. thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you. Okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for your time and listening. Another great and amazing guest. Please reach out to Brent if you want to know more about what he does. Uh, please, again, you know, put a review in, uh, in, in, on, on iTunes because it gives us a little more uh, exposure. And share this with anyone that you may know that uh, wants to work on their belief systems or if they want to do what, what Brent's doing, man. You know, send them this uh, link. And uh, again, thanks for all your support. And uh, I love you guys. And uh, again, Brent, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Todd. Okay, take care.